President Biden blames the Afghan people for his failures. He blames everyone but him taking responsibility himself. He blames the Afghan people saying they just didn't have the will to fight. Also in today's episode, we talk about the propaganda machine that is beginning to spin and churn to one, cover Biden's butt, and two, to reframe the Taliban as a peace, kind, peace-loving people. And actually, this will turn out to be the good of Afghanistan, but it is all lies. Hey, it's Lucas Scrobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Scrobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Episode 250, August 19th, 2021, and I am fired up. I am upset. I am emotional. Uh, it has been a long number of days for me here, and frustrating. Just it, it, It's frustrating, and it, I feel ashamed to be an American. I think this is probably the, the the most I have ever felt. There's been probably moments in time that I've I've thought that oh man, it's really shameful to be an American right now. But this by far is it is a shameful, disgraceful day for for America, specifically for the Biden administration because they have brought this on. They have brought this upon the Afghani people by his by his by President Biden's failed decisions, poor decisions, failed strategy, and and not protecting our allies, not protecting the people that we made a promise to stand by and protect. And if this is the reputation of America, if this is the reputation of America that, well, you know what, when it's, when it, it's not in our best interests, quote unquote, even though it is, it actually is in our best interest to have defended the people that we made commitments to and, and, and held ground in Afghanistan. But as we'll see in today's episode, President Biden decided to do just the opposite. It would have been in our best interest, but now I, I fear that, that America will have a reputation for many years, that they will actually not back their allies. And... And I don't blame the world for not trusting America anymore because look, look at what we've done. Look at what President Biden's policies have done in this failed, failed operation to, to withdraw from Afghanistan. And in the process of that failed operation, it, what happened? Oh, the U.S. government decided to pull air support from the Afghani troops. The U.S. government decided to block contractors to go in and actually work on the Afghani Air Force. And the Afghani Air Force, or, or the, the Afghani military that has been trained by the U.S. military, has been done so under the strategies of the U.S. military, which is combining air support and, and land troops so that the air support can do reconnaissance, bring uh, equipment and supplies. And so it, they work together. But all of a sudden, over the last number of months, Biden has pulled that out, Biden has even blocked contractors from being able to work on the Afghan Air Force. So how on earth, how on earth is the army supposed to, to fight when, when they've been taking all, all the support that they have been having and promised by the U.S. government to strip from them? It is a 
disgraceful, is disgraceful to see President Biden blame everyone except himself and say, oh, the buck stops here, but it's everyone else's fault. It's everyone else's problem. It's Trump. It's Trump's deal, which, by the way, the Taliban, Trump's deal had stipulations in it. When Trump made a deal with the Taliban in Afghanistan in a peace treaty, which, as I said before, could have been President former President Donald Trump's greatest mistake. But even in that, there were stipulations. There were stipulations of saying, okay, well, in order for this withdrawal to happen, there needs to be stipulations of both sides. And as far as I can tell, the Taliban were not meeting with those stipulations. They weren't following through. But Biden wanted to rush it. Biden wanted to have the the optics, for whatever reason, to just pull out. And who is going to fill that void, that space in Afghanistan? Well, yes, of course, the Taliban have filled it, but also Russia and also China, who are now best friends, who have already made diplomatic relationships and handshakes and, you know, spitting on the hand, shaking and opening up the borders for rare earth mineral mining to have import-export to China. Who's going to fill that space? Well, it is, it is, bad, it is bad news and it is a shame, shameful day to be an American. Uh, here is you know, President Biden addressed the nation, and in his address to the nation, uh, which was about 20 minutes long, maybe, took no answers from the press. He was on holiday the whole weekend. He gets on a helicopter, flies from Camp David to the White House, strolls into the White House, reads a transcript, says, thank you, ma'am and lady, and out the door, back on the helicopter, back to Camp David, as if, this, as if nothing is happening. And what was despicable, it was, what was despicable about this speech is that he blamed the very people that he betrayed. He blamed the Afghan government and everyone else for his own failures. And then, and then says, oh, well, but the buck stops here and actually I'm proud of what we've done today. Actually, this is a good thing. A good thing, really, for, for thousands of people who are now in hiding across Afghanistan. We're going to get into some of those stories. Uh, but first, we want to open up with some of these clips uh, from President Biden because really this, is, this needs to be laid at his feet. And normally I do not get uh, – I'm political, of course, here on the show. We're political. We talk about this stuff, but normally I'm definitely not as forthright and passionate uh, or antagonistic against uh, <laughs> President Joe, Joe Biden, but in this case, I, I am f- astounded at the, the, the lies, the deception, the total insincerity of this whole dog and pony show. Here is an uh, opening clip of President Biden. Our mission in Afghanistan was never supposed to have been nation-building. It was never supposed to be creating a unified, centralized democracy. Our only vital national interest in Afghanistan remains today what it has always been, preventing a terrorist attack 
on American homeland. I've argued for many years that our mission should be narrowly focused on counterterrorism, not counterinsurgency or nation building. So apparently, President Joe Biden has been arguing for many years that this is not about we shouldn't be nation building. Now, of course, when America went in in 2001, it was about taking out uh, both Al Qaeda and nations or governments that felt that, you know, it's okay to house terrorist organizations that are hell bent on destroying other people's lives. That was the mission of going in to, to just one, take out Al Qaeda, and two, to take out those people who were fostering and creating a place for that to grow. And that was the Taliban in Afghanistan. Well, then, of course, mission creep grows. And over the years after that was taken out, it moved to let's spread democracy and let's spread it here in Afghanistan. We're here. Uh, we probably have a humanitarian obligation to help people. And since we're here, we enter this country, we should probably leave it better than we left it. But no, instead, we left it worse. Well, here's President Joe Biden back in 2003 saying just this, uh, talking about nation building in Afghanistan. Parts of the administration, nation building is still a dirty phrase. But the alternative to nation building is chaos. A chaos that churns out bloodthirsty warlords, drug traffickers, and terrorists. And we have, we've seen it happen in Afghanistan before, and I am quite frankly fearful it may happen again, notwithstanding your considerable efforts. Warlords, drugs, terrorists, the connection is as clear as a bell. Terrorists are... Well, someone should have played back this clip to President Biden a couple of months ago because he has... This is exactly what he has done. He has left the nation in chaos because of his carelessness. Because of his carelessness. Well, the lies go on in this, in this address, if you can even call it an address to the nation. Here is uh, Joe Biden talking about how, well, you know, we couldn't have stayed longer. We needed to get out. Uh, because of the fighting season in, in the spring. When I came into office, I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under his agreement, U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan by May 1, 2021, just a little over three months after I took office. U.S. forces had already drawn down during the Trump administration from roughly 15,500 American forces to 2,500 troops in country. And the Taliban was at its strongest militarily since 2001. The choice I had to make as your president was either to follow through on that agreement or be prepared to go back to fighting the Taliban in the middle of the spring fighting season. There would have been no ceasefire after May 1. There was no agreement protecting our forces after May 1. There was no status quo of stability without American casualties after May 1. There was only a cold reality of either following through on the agreement to withdraw our forces or escalating the conflict and sending thousands more American troops back into combat in Afghanistan. 
I don't know if you've noticed, but we are in August now. We are in August. It is the, the fighting, quote unquote, fighting season of May 1 has long since passed. We are entering into winter. Now, it's well known that in Afghanistan, in the mountains, it is very cold and hard to fight in the winter. And so you have fighting seasons, fighting seasons, seasons. people fight in the, the spring and the summer and they don't in the winter. Well, we're in the middle of August. Now, the Afghan government actually begged and asked the U.S. government and said, please do not withdraw in the middle of spring, in the middle of summer, but wait at least until winter so we have a little bit of time to figure out life without you guys. But instead, here's Biden lying, saying that, well, we would have to send thousands and sacrifice a whole other generation's lives. Do you know how many Americans have died since February 8th, 2020? Over a, nearly a year and a half ago now? Zero. In Afghanistan, we've had American soldiers have not lost a single life since February 8th, 2020. And before that, for the last seven years since 2014, we've been, American troops have been losing about in the, the tens of lives per year. So he's making it sound as if, oh, we were just in this brutal civil war, because that's what it is. It really is a civil war between the Afghan government and the Taliban government. And note that before we came in, there was, there was resistant forces against the Taliban government. And in two days, Two days before 9-11 on September 9th, and we talked about this two episodes back, I believe, uh, the leader, Masood, of the resistant forces was assassinated in Afghanistan. And so there, there has been civil war there for decades now. And we had made allies with the Afghan government. We made allies with it, and we fought alongside with it. Afghanis and interpreters who risk their lives in our mission. And then they asked, hey, we have some, some narrow scopes. Will you come and help us build our nation? Just as Joe Biden said, hey, if we don't help build the nation, well, it is all going to fall apart. It's going to fall into even more chaos. Biden goes on. Biden goes on. Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed sometime without trying to fight. Mm. We gave them every chance to determine their own future. What we could not provide them was the will to fight for that future. The political leaders of Afghanistan were unable to come together for the good of their people unable to negotiate for the future of their country Unbelievable. when the chips were down. They would never have done so while U.S. troops remained in Afghanistan, bearing the brunt of the fighting for them. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Here, here is the president in the middle of the, one of the greatest failures in U.S. history. 
blaming the Afghan government and blaming Afghan troops and saying, well, you know, they just didn't have the will to fight. By golly, they just it just wasn't in them. And we could have never given them the will to fight. Or maybe just maybe it had to do with the fact that we pulled we pulled our military. That, as he said, was 2,500 by the time he took office. And we pulled our air support. We closed down one of our, our largest air force bases outside the United States. We, we pulled air support. We pulled, we pulled contractors who were servicing their airplanes. How are they even going to fix their airplanes? They, they, I, I was reading that they had Zoom calls with contractors to help fix their airplanes. They did not have the equipment that we had. And they were our allies, and we abandoned them. And then he has the gall. He has the gall to, to, to speak to the world in the midst of a failure and say, ah, they just didn't have the will to fight. Well, let's see, what will did they have to fight over the last seven years when, when American troops were losing maybe at most 52, I believe, in the last seven years since 2014, the biggest lost year that we had was 52 lives. And then the other the years, it's 10 or 20 lives. And then we've not lost a single life. America has not lost a single life since February 8th, 2020. And he makes it sound, he, he said in this clip, bearing the brunt. We're fighting for them. We're bearing the brunt of the fighting. No, we were support staff at this point. We were support staff who bore the brunt of not only our fighting, but their fighting, the Afghanis themselves, the Afghani allies, the translators, the troops on the ground. They were Afghani lives oh, since 2014, the last seven years, 55,000 Afghani troops gave their lives fighting for their nation. And the president has the gall to say the gall to say that, ah, man, they just they didn't have the will to fight. We gave them every chance that they could. We, we did everything that we could to help, and uh, they just, it just wasn't in them. It's their fault, not mine. Shame on you and shame on America. Here's Biden that goes on to, but to reassure the people, we're here to help. Really, we are. Don't worry. We're, we're gone, but we're still here to help you. So now we're focused on what is possible. We will continue to support the Afghan people. We will lead with our diplomacy, our international influence, and our humanitarian aid. We'll continue to. No. First, how can you continue to, to help the Afghan people when you can't even, you can't even keep an airport secure? And what diplomacy are you going to leave with after you totally burned all of your bridges. In insane. He, this clip goes on. I'm sorry. Our international influence and our humanitarian aid. We'll continue to push for regional diplomacy and engagement to prevent violence and instability. We'll continue to speak out for the basic rights of the Afghan people, of women and girls. That you abandoned. we speak out all over the world. I've been clear. Human rights must be the center of our foreign policy. Not human rights must be the center of our policy. And yet this is a human rights debacle. It's a total shame 
and a disgrace, a human rights crisis with over 300,000 Afghanis displaced. Some say 3 million Afghanis displaced. People hiding in their homes. Young girls being sold, not sold, being taken as, as, as Taliban brides. If young girls, 12-year-olds and up, they're, they're going door to door and knocking, saying, hey, do you have any young girls in your house? If you do, you need to put an X on your door. And if we come and we find that you don't have an X on your door and you do have young girls in your house, we're going to kill you all. These are, the, these are the reports that are coming from on the ground, not the media that you're hearing. But that's the reality. And he, and, and he has the, the nerve to say, ah, but we need to focus on humani- uh, humanitarian issues, not war, humanitarian issues. You have created a humanitarian issue, President Joe Biden. You have created this issue single-handedly. Not the periphery, but the way to do it is not through endless military deployments. It's with our diplomacy, our economic tools, and rallying the world to join us. The, who, who in the world, who in their right mind would want to join you, America, after this fiasco, after this debacle? Who? And again, Endless, endless deployments. It was not endless deployments at, at this point in Afghanistan. We had, America had 2,500 troops maintaining the ground and delivering air support. And they could have still slowly scaled back and scaled down if they wanted to without pulling, without, without pulling out the entire stability of the country. But they chose not to do that. He, President Biden went against his advisor, went against military advice and said, nope, this is the way that I'm going to do it. This is my way. And this is this is how we're going to get out of here. We're we're just we're done. We're done with the quote unquote endless wars. It hilarious in this all is that he's saying, well, you know, we we don't want to. We he said we're going to come in to deal with the terrorism and we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. And this is, we've completed our mission. Well, and now what have you done? You have totally reversed everything that you have done. You have reversed the, the thou- tens of thousands of lives that have been given in the last 20 years. You've just wiped it out. Well, Biden is extremely proud of his accomplishments in the last week. And here's Biden closing up his very presidential address to the world, not just the nation, the world. Here's President Biden boasting about how he, how he made the right choice. I made a commitment to the American people when I ran for president that I would bring America's military involvement in Afghanistan to an end. While it's been hard and messy, and yes, far from perfect. And notice, President Biden had to send 5,000, I believe now 6,000 more troops into Afghanistan to, per, to get the 2,500 troops out of Afghanistan. Yeah. Oh, I know it's been messy. That's an understatement. And yes, far from perfect. I've honored that commitment. More importantly, you honored that commitment 
on paper. But in reality, you have destroyed everything that people fought for and worked for, Afghani and American lives, for 20 years. Destroyed it in a week. I made a commitment to the brave men and women who serve this nation that I wasn't going to ask them to continue to risk their lives in a military action that should have ended long ago. Our leaders did that in Vietnam when I got here as a young man. I will not do it in Afghanistan. No, but you will repeat, you will repeat exactly what they did in Vietnam, in Afghanistan. And also, the men and women who gave their lives, the soldiers who are still right now valiantly working overtime to, to get not only the tens of thousands of U.S. citizens, some say there's up to 30,000 U.S. citizens still in and around Kabul. Some say five to 10,000. Some have said 30,000, which shows you just the, the lack of preparation the lack of planning, the lack of contingency, if, if the U.S. government doesn't even have a, a somewhat accurate number of how, much, how many U.S. citizens they need to get out of Afghanistan, my goodness, let alone the translators that they've left behind who, who served and risked their lives for the American people, who moral obligations and promises that we made to them just out the window. So there are, there are troops, men and women, who are doing heroic and valiant acts right now, and I honor those men and women, and I respect those men and women, and it is not their fault. It is, it is the Biden administration's fault for every death that, will, that has happened and will continue to happen in the coming weeks and months as people are hiding, my religious minorities are hiding. They're in hiding. Anyone who, who knows English or has, has worked in activism, they're hiding because the Taliban are knocking door to door. I get, I'm reading report after report, story after story of the Taliban knocking door to door and taking a census, figuring out who is where. So maybe the, the, the revenge killings haven't started yet, but they will. But they will. President Biden finishing off his, his boasting, his boasting. Wow. I know my decision will be criticized. But I would rather take all that criticism than pass this decision on to another president of the United States, yet another one, a fifth one. Because it's the right one. It's the right decision for our people. The right one for our brave service members who risk their lives serving our nation. And it's the right one for America. Actually, actually, no. It's not the right one for America, and here's why. One, you have just undone, as we've said, what you set out to do, which is making sure that there are not groups who are fostering terrorist organizations. If that was your expressed and stated goal, well, now that group is 100% fully back in power. That is not a successful operation. Second, it's not good for the American people because you've betrayed your allies. You've betrayed your translators. What is that going to say to all the men and women who are serving and giving their lives, not as U.S. citizens, 
to American troops around the world? What sort of message will that send to our allies? China's already gotten the, the clear message, which is, oh, in Taiwan, if we enter, America is going to run because America is not going to keep their promises. It's, it is already sending the message. So if anything, you're putting America, American citizens and this, other citizens of other nations, people at risk. Not only this, okay, sure, maybe, maybe you think this is best for America, but I guarantee you that for the, the girls and the women and the men in Afghanistan, for the religious minorities, for this Hazara tribe, which is a Shiite tribe, it is not good for them. It is not good for them. Shame on America. Shameful. Well, the, the propaganda is already to spin out of America. He, here is uh, Steve Colbert commenting hysterically on the, the brilliancy and just the logic of President Biden's speech. Then Biden pointed out the U.S. did everything we could for the Afghans. We gave them every tool they could need. We paid their salaries, provided for the maintenance of their Air Force. We gave them every chance to determine their own future. We could not provide them was the will to fight for that future. Just a thought. Maybe we should have checked with the Afghan army if they had the will before we gave them the tools and the weapons, because now the Taliban has the will and the weapons. And the former Afghan army soldiers are at home rubbing miracle Grow on their face, trying to squeeze out a beard by dawn. It is shameful. It is, it is a shameful day. Those, those Afghani soldiers who have given 55,000 of their lives over the last seven years for fighting for their nation, for fighting for humanitarian rights that apparently Joe Biden is so concerned about. Those men are fearing for their lives because they know the U.S. military left behind biometrics for all, of, all the people who served and helped the U.S. government that now fall into the hands of the Taliban, who now have access to... to just go through and say, show me your retina, show me your fingerprint. And now ah, we know exactly who you are and who you worked with. We know. And yet, and yet here we are laughing. Oh, 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 oh. oh yeah, man. If only they had the will to fight. Shame on America for betraying their allies, for betraying their people, for betraying the Afghani people, for betraying people who actually are in a humanitarian crisis now because of your careless actions it is shameful. Well, luckily, <laughs> not everyone is so uh, blind to this. Here is uh, Matt Zeller after this uh, horrific speech by Biden. Here's his commentary on it on MSNBC, of all places. So I'm curious to hear your reaction of this consequential speech by the American president. Didn't run from it. He owned it. He owned his decision. He owned the fact that, as he put it, the buck stops with him. I hope he gets to own their deaths, too. I, I don't I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. I was appalled 
there was such a profound, bold-faced lie in that speech, the idea that we planned for every contingency. I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. We sent them plan after plan on how to evacuate these people. Nobody listened to us. They didn't plan for the evacuation of our Afghan wartime allies. They're trying to conduct it now at the 11th hour. The thing that they were most concerned about was the optics of a chaotic evacuation. Well, they got exactly what they were most concerned of by failing to do what was right when we could have done it. We had all the people and equipment in place to be able to save these people months ago, and we did nothing. I'm appalled that he thinks that we only need to take 2,000 people. There's 86,000 people who are currently left behind in Afghanistan alone. We've identified all of them for the government. I have no idea why they, 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 he claims that people don't want to leave Afghanistan. I have a list of 14,000 names right now of people who want to get out of Afghanistan. And the idea that the Afghan military should be blamed for this. Do you know how many casualties the Afghan military took in an average year? More than the United States did in 20. When you're not getting paid on a regular basis, when you're not getting fuel, when no one is supplying you with ammunition, and yet you're still showing up to the fight, how dare us for having to blame these people for not having the audacity to be able to survive a Taliban onslaught? No, no, no. What we need to be doing right now, and what I am appalled that the president didn't say, was we need to be talking about how we're going to get every single one of these people out. And that is right. It is appalling here here the president of the United States dare dares to talk about humanitarian focus on our policy and yet we they're abandoning all of our allies they're not even talking about how to get these people out who we've betrayed he, he can't even get the US citizens out they can't even assure that to their own people and yet this is this was the right decision. This is the right move. Well, <laughs> the the Taliban's uh, propaganda engine is just whirring along. Uh, they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, apparently, they've been reading and studying over the last 20 years, while uh, the Biden administration certainly hasn't. Certainly, we, apparently, we haven't learned anything, but they have. And they've learned the power of cozying up with the international press, knowing how to say the right things at the right times in the right ways. So, oh, okay, they're, oh, they're good guys. They maybe just look a little different, but they're good guys. Yeah, the, the propaganda machine is running well and smoothly for the Taliban. We're going to play a couple clips from what they are putting out. And then I'll tell you the truth, the truth of what is happening. The, the truth is what is happening from, from my Afghani friends who are connected with hundreds of people in Afghanistan who are saying this is, this is actually the truth. All that out there is propaganda. But you know why? Because the internet's shut down. Cell data and service is out. Social media, people aren't gonna post on social media what do you think? People are afraid for their lives. They are in hiding. Well, but here's the Taliban singing exactly to the tune that the international community uh, wants to hear. We are assuring the safety of all those who have worked with the United States and allied forces 
whether as interpreters or any other field that they have worked with them. Uh, as for their talents and their skills, we do not want them to leave the country. We want them to serve their own homeland. As for the... So the Taliban government of the uh, Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, they're promising uh, amnesty, essentially, for all, for all those who have worked with the U.S. government in the past. Now, in my mind, this is an optic. This is not true, and I will, I will tell you why. First, it's because they are going door to door and making lists and asking, do you, who do you know that has worked with the U.S. government? Who do you know that has worked as a translator? Who do you know? And because my contacts tell me, actually, in the dead of night, people are getting taken from their homes and executed. A judge was taken from his home and executed. So you tell me which is true. Now, this is, this is the oldest play in the book. The USSR did this during the, the famine of the wheat bowl where millions of people were dying in, in, in Russia and Ukraine, where they did this when millions of people were being disappeared overnight. In the middle of the night, someone would come and knock on your door and arrest you, and you don't even know why, and your neighbors don't see you again. And they either take you out back and shoot you, or they send you off to a gulag for 25 years. But the world either didn't listen, didn't pay attention, didn't care, or really believed the propaganda coming out of the USSR, that it was a prosperous, glorious, fantastic nation. But the truth was that millions of people, tens of millions of people, were going to their deaths. Well, here's the propaganda machine working extremely well. Here's another clip. Now, this clip is in, uh, this clip is of some Taliban soldiers driving up and interviewing Shiites. So the, the Taliban, they are a Sunni sect of Islam and the Shiite are, are another sect of Islam and they don't get along very well. And the Sunnis do not, uh, I'm sure some do. I'm not speaking for all Sunnis out there. But Sunni Taliban people, how about we put it that way? The Taliban, the Taliban does not see Shiite as uh, actual Muslims. And so that is, uh, in the past, has been a, a cause for genocide and many being killed and slaughtered at the hands of the Taliban. Well, here is one of the soldier coming up and interviewing uh, some Shiites. You see a car driving on the street and they, they pull up to some, the Taliban in a, in a car with a microphone, camera, guns pull up to, I'm assuming guns, pull up to uh, some young Shiite, and they begin to ask questions. First, brother, are you from Shiite? They say, yes, we are. Are you guys celebrating? Yes, yes. Any problems with your celebrations? No, no. No problems. Any complaints? No. Has anyone limited you? No. The, the Taliban's in your service. That was a, a crude, uh, crude paraphrase of, of the conversation as uh, he's talking fast and it's actually a lot of copy to read as he's reading it. But essentially, 
in this clip, <laughs> what, would you, what would you do if someone rolled up on you with the microphone, with the video, and with guns in tow and saying, hey, we're, we're the new guys in town. We own the place now. Uh, so tell me, has anyone given, given you any problems? Uh, no, no problems here. Are you sure? These young boys, of course. What do you think they're going to say? They're not stupid. What are you going to do? Actually, yeah. Let me tell you about all the horrible things that has, have happened underneath your, your guys' hands and rules in the last three days. Let me tell you. The, the, and listen, the, the propaganda machine is coming out now, and I highly, highly suspect that this is the tune that we're going to begin here here uh, spoken of of uh, the Taliban they've changed their ways they've turned a new leaf look look what they're saying all these other reports we don't really know if, are they really true that's probably fake news that's oh, probably misinformation here here's a, another clip of a uh, female anchor interviewing a member of the Taliban now we don't have a translation for this, but the fact alone that they're allowing a woman anchor and one interviewing a man back in 2001 in, in under the Taliban regime from 96 to 2001, this would have never been allowed. This is actually a really big deal. And again, a great optic piece. Look. The international community has said, what do we want? We want freedom and equal rights for women. And they're saying, you know what? Look, we're giving that. We're, we have changed. The war is over. Here's equal rights for women. See, look, we're actually great. All of your fears, they're just fears. You should stop believing the Western propaganda and the lies because it's all not true. Just forget about all the catastrophes and the, the tens of thousands of civilians that have died at our hands, even in the last 20 years in this war. Forget about everything that happened from 2001 to 96. Ah, forget about that. Look at this video shot. Well, here's another great propo piece by the, the Afghanis, or not the Afghanis, excuse me, by the Taliban. This is a, a video of some Taliban soldiers at a hospital. And he's explaining to them, oh, you women, they can come to work. Your nurses and female doctors, they can come to work. We won't harm them. There's freedom here. You're welcome to be here. A great, a great PR piece. Great optics. All the women sitting, nurses, oh, it's, you can come to work. That's fine. Will it stand? Not likely. Here, the truth of what is, is coming out is this. Judges, translators, religious minorities, Christians, Shiites, they're being taken in the dead of night and executed. The truth is this that the Taliban are going door to door and knocking and finding out where are the young girls and do you need to be given over as, as essentially forced brides to these soldiers. 
They're going door to door and figuring out who, who worked with the military. And they're taking lanes and they're making lists. Maybe they're not acting now. And maybe they'll, they'll do so discreetly, but the, the reports that I'm hearing is that they have already begun to act. They are already taking steps. Here is one story that it's not verified, it's not confirmed how, how this story could be confirmed, I don't even know. But this was passed on uh, from what is a very credible source, very credible source, Reading this, the Taliban are searching door-to-door in our area for anything written in English. If they find it, they will kill the occupants. Our accomplishments, certifications, books, articles, and diplomas have been sent as she collected them since she has not been able to be with us to celebrate over the last decades. So this is a someone in the States writing about their family back in Afghanistan. She's saying her mom is extremely sentimental, so that's why she sent all these books and certificates. And she said, they've been burning all of the books and all of the documents. And she's not certain if the Taliban won't find any trace of them. As this lady in Afghanistan and her eight-year-old son have helped with many activist projects in Kabul. People are, are afraid. And they said, if, 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 you, if they find people who have stuff in, in English, who seem to have uh, English contacts in their phones, young boys, men, and women too, they're going through their phones right now and making sure they're deleting any, any Western phone number, any contact with any expat, deleting all their messages off of WhatsApp because the Taliban will come in and say, give me your phone. They will search their house and they will find them. Right now, thousands of minorities, especially Christians, have fled their homes so that they can't be identified and, and hiding across, across the nation because they know what is coming next. Now, the, the Taliban, of course, is promising, well, you know, we're going we're gonna to establish a rule of law. There's going to be order, and we're going to establish Sharia law. Now, Sharia law could mean a plethora of things. I live in a nation that has Sharia law and is one of the most peaceful nations on earth. Dubai is under Sharia law, and there's a, a lot of freedoms. There's a lot of, of places where there Areas where maybe there are not freedoms that people in America enjoy. But regardless, it doesn't necessarily imply that people's hands are getting chopped off. Actually, it doesn't imply that at all. But the Taliban's version of Sharia law is quite different than the version of Sharia law in in the UAE or the version of Sharia law in Oman or Bahrain, or even in Saudi Arabia. It's a very different version. And it's, it's a version that, that most Muslims would even say, I don't even know if, that's, if that can even be considered Muslim. It seems so militant. So when they say, well, we're going to establish our rule of law, you know what that also means? It then says, well, you know, we're following our law, and all of these people here, they're guilty of breaking the law, 
And so, actually, we're not committing war crimes because these people have broken the law. And so we're going to punish them according to our laws. You can't say that we're violating anything because we're just following the law. That's what's coming. And, and you know what? The, the Western media, I, I, would, I would not be surprised to cover up this fiasco, just as we saw that clip from Stephen Colbert, uh, just laughing. I can see them beginning to spin this as, ah, you know what, this is actually better for the nation. See, the Taliban have changed. And all these fears, actually, Biden made the right choice. It's a little messy for a couple of days there, but man, it turned out to be great for all of those women and children. They finally can express, express their cultural identity. Yeah, that makes sense. In a post-truth society where we have exchanged truth for lies and reason for postmodern irrationality, the absurd finally makes sense. And here is the national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, making a whole lot of sense. Last two days, information is not complete by August 31st, and there are Americans and Afghan allies who remain there. Will U.S. troops stay until everyone is out, or will they leave? So I'm not going to comment on hypotheticals. What I'm going to do is stay focused on the task at hand, which is getting as many people out as rapidly as possible, and we will take that day by day. So you can't commit to bringing back every American There's a large number of... Notice the, the reporter in the back saying, wait, you can't you can't commit. You can't commit to getting every U.S. citizen out. No, notice he, he could have said. We are we are going to make sure that we leave. At least you could have said we're going to make sure that we leave no U.S. citizen behind. And we're going to do everything humanly possible to get every single uh, person that served with us, that their lives are at risk. We're going to do everything possible to get them out. And that is the commitment that we are making. That is an easy statement to say. Instead, it's, oh, I'm not going to comment on hypotheticals. And, uh, you know, we're just going to focus on the task at hand. And if some people get left behind, I mean, well, that's just life. It's just a part of life. The U.S. is not just betraying our allies. They're betraying their own citizens that you can't even make a commitment to, to evacuate your citizens in a mess that you made, a mess that you made. Well, this is, <laughs> oh, it's just mind, it's mind blowing, blowing. It's earth shattering. I, I can't even wrap my head around the state that, that America has fallen to. Uh, it is, it is shameful. It is absolutely a disgrace that the National Security Advisor can't even make a commitment to their own U.S. citizens. It is spineless. It is just absolutely spineless. Well, this show is brought to you by viewers like you. Thank you for being here and listening. Uh, if you get value out of the show, please consider giving value back to the show in the manner that in the manner that you get out of it. And obviously, if you're here 50 minutes into the show, you're getting some level of value out of it. Now, thousands of people turn to this program every month to help them understand the, the narratives and the schemes that are being propped up against us so that we can better see the world, understand 
the world that we're living in so that we can own our futures. So if that's you, you can give by and give value for the value that you got out of it by visiting lucasrobot.com. Another way that you can give value back is by listening on a podcast 2.0 certified app where you can stream Bitcoin as you listen. And most importantly, if you want to give to people who are in Afghanistan right now, uh, send me an email, message me, get a hold of me, and there are a, a plethora of resources that I have that I can point you into the right direction for you. Don't go away. We will be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Luma, part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we live it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future and weave our destinies. Today's quote is from the book of Proverbs. I love Proverbs. I love wisdom that, that helps me. It's like a windshield wiper sometimes, just like when things are a little muddy, things are a little unclear. You just put a little wisdom on and at least things start to get a, a little more clear. Well, this is uh, from Proverbs 29, verse 2. It says, When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. If you have any question, if you have any doubt whatsoever, what sort of, of people are now ruling, look at the groaning that's happening. Look at the groaning that is happening in Afghanistan. And that tells you two things. It tells you two things. It tells you that the Taliban is not a righteous people who are going to rule with kindness, meekness, grace, and humility. And it also tells you that America has made a horrible mistake and that those ruling America, the ruling elite class that made this decision, that betrayed their allies, betrayed the Afghan people, betrayed the humanitarian crisis that they, they so boast about you know, protecting. And they, they opened the door to, to not their allies, but to those who have, in many ways, are sworn enemies of the United States. Not that the United States have sworn them as enemies, but they have sworn to be enemies of the United States. It is uh, clear when you look at the, the, and you hear the stories, and you look at the people in fear, in hiding, you look at the, the footage of people storming the airport and risking their lives to flee from clinging onto airplanes. It tells you something. It tells you something about the state that they know they're about to enter into. They, they have not forgotten. They have not forgotten the atrocities that, that happened between 1996 and 2001 in that nation. And they have not forgotten the war that they have fought, their civil war that they have fought for the, the last seven years plus where they've lost over 55,000 people in, in their war, just soldiers, not including civilians, from the hands of the Taliban. They have not forgotten, but apparently we have. 
Well, that's all for this episode. Uh, please, I highly encourage you to to do more than just like and share, subscribe on, on other social media. Do more than just share and talk about this with your community and people around you. Please find a way uh, to give financially to this crisis. I, I, can, I can refer you to a, a number of places if you reach out to me, and I will get you connected to trusted sources who are truly helping, and this money will truly get to the people in Afghanistan who need it the most. That's all for this episode. Go out this week and hug your loved ones. Hug your loved ones. And at the same time, continue to pursue and discern the truth and own your future because your life depends on it and your great, great, great grandchildren's lives depend on it as well.